Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Local Tourist Variety Show, hosted by Teresa L. Goodrich. Hello, local tourists. My name's Teresa, and I am thrilled to welcome you to episode number one. I've been threatening to, I mean, wanting to, host a podcast for quite some time, and there's no better time than right now. It's funny, even though I knew I wanted to host a podcast, I didn't know what it would be. I couldn't picture it, if you will, until we'd been sheltering in place for a few weeks. Then it suddenly came to me. I'll chat a bit. I'll share a quote, maybe a travel tip. I'll read a story and a chapter from my books. It'll be brilliant. At least, I hope it'll be brilliant. Launching a podcast about travel in the middle of a pandemic may seem risky, but I for one am yearning to get on the road again. We may be grounded, but we can still dream and plan. Speaking of dreaming, if you're on Facebook, please join our group. Every day we feature a different theme and you're invited to share your photos, videos, and stories. You can find us at thelocaltourist.com slash FB group. Our first episode begins with some life lessons I've learned through travel. My adventures have taught me history, geology, geography, and humanity, but they've also taught me things that improve my whole life and help me be a better person. I'm excited to share them with you. I'll also read you a story. In 2017, my husband and I took an epic 31-day road trip from the Chicago area to San Diego and back. That trip became my first book, and now I'm inviting you to join us. At the end of each episode, I'll read a chapter. We had quite the adventure, and I think you'll have fun riding along. The best part is, you don't have to wonder when we'll reach the next rest stop. In future episodes, I'll chat with fellow travelers and destination experts so you can find even more places to add to your future itineraries. If there's something you want to hear, let me know. Just visit the show notes at thelocaltourist.com slash episode one, number one, and leave a comment. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to subscribe, leave a comment or review, and tell all your friends. Welcome to The Local Tourist. I'm so glad you're here. Travel is more than the seeing of sights. It is a change that goes on deep and permanent in the ideas of living. Miriam Beard. Mr. TLT and I had been home for a week before we finally started unpacking our suitcases. As I emptied one more packing cube and the campfire scent filtered past my face, tears threatened and I thought, it's over, I sighed. It's really over. Our epic road trip was over. But it wasn't, not really. To say it's over implies that nothing had changed and things would go back to the way they were before we uprooted our lives and took off for a month to chase my childhood dream of traveling the country and telling its stories. We may have been home again, but our lives were definitely not the same. We grew and changed because of that experience in ways that we never could have imagined. It's almost a cliche to say that I will never be the same again, but on that trip, I was happier than I'd ever been except for my wedding day. Why? Why did that trip mean so much? Because it was bigger than just the concept of fulfilling a dream. The meaning for me comes from the lessons I learned. Those lessons are now a roadmap, if you will, of how to ensure happiness, peace, 
and maybe keep a little bit of sanity in this crazy thing called life. Lesson number one, be present. Before this trip, I can't tell you how many times a week I would think, how did it get to be that time? Every day I see the same complaint from others. Everyone's trying to do everything all at once. On a road trip, you do one thing at a time, maybe two. You drive. If you're the passenger, you read, listen to a podcast, sing, write. Sometimes on our trip, I had to work in the car, but each time I did, I wasn't sure how long my connection would last, so I focused on getting that one necessary task completed. When we weren't driving somewhere, we focused on what we were doing right at that moment, whether it was hiking or eating fried pickles or visiting a museum or setting up camp. Even though we were busy almost constantly, we were present, and time seemed to last longer. Lesson number two, success requires preparation. The idea of jumping in the car and taking off with no plan at all, Kerouac style, is romantic, unless you've read on the road, which I do not suggest doing when you're actually on a road trip, or you might start craving salami sandwiches on white bread. But you know what's even more romantic? Planning and preparation. Hear me out. If you plan ahead, if you prepare, then you are free to enjoy the open road because you know if something happens, you've got it covered. Lost your GPS signal? Grab those maps you picked up at AAA before you left. Since you've got the maps, that means you've got a AAA membership, which will come in handy if you get a flat or somebody leaves the overhead light on all night and the battery dies. This didn't happen to us. If you know that campground where you're planning on staying doesn't have any firewood, you can pick some up at the nearest town instead of driving back and forth an extra hour once you find out. <clears throat> this did happen to us. By packing enough snacks and drinks, it won't matter when you don't see a restaurant for several hours because you've got snacks. P.S. You can never have too many snacks on a road trip. If it's a choice between pillows and snacks, chuck the pillows. It's fun to just dive in. It's more fun to dive in when you're prepared. Trust me on this one. Lesson number three, leave room for spontaneity. Planning is great. I love lists and checking things off and knowing what's supposed to happen before it does. Schedules are my pal and my bullet journal is my new best friend. If you wonder how much I love planning, see lesson number two. Except one can over plan. I know, blasphemy, but it's true, especially on a road trip. If you have every minute planned, you have no time to stop at that amazing scenic overlook you just passed. You'll miss lingering over omelets to chat with a retired teacher whose husband grows apples. You won't be able to hear about the World War II vet's harrowing moment in the ambulance corps as the Germans flew up and over them and his gut-wrenching sorrow from what he viewed at Dachau because you'll be too busy looking at your watch. If your schedule is too tightly packed, you'll have to skip visiting the center of the world. Plan, yes. Prepare, yes, but be open when possibilities present themselves. Lesson number four, patience isn't just a virtue, it's a necessity. If ever patience were required, it is on a road trip. Something's going to go wrong. It will. I don't care how prepared you are or how okay you are with spontaneity. Something is going to upset the apple cart. Plus, you're in a car on roads, which means you're going to have to deal with other drivers. There will be construction there will be traffic. There will be 25 mile per hour towns, I'm looking at you, Tonopah, Nevada, and 80 mile per hour highways. Yay, Utah! Your GPS will be wrong. Your ice will melt and your sandwiches will get soaked. 
Your road trip partner will get on your nerves and fluctuating gas prices will drive you bonkers. It's going to happen. You can either deal with it or you can be miserable. As I like to say when we're about to enter Costco on a Saturday, embrace the chaos. Sometimes things go wrong and there's nothing you can do except breathe, take a step back and find another way. Sometimes there's nothing you can do except wait and be patient. Lesson number five, when you see a chance, take it. If there's one sacrosanct road trip rule, it's to do things before they're necessary. Fill the tank way, way before it hits E. Take a bathroom break before you're doing the dance. By being proactive, you reduce the chance of an emergency. Nobody likes emergencies. Emergency rooms don't even like emergencies. If you're proactive, if you anticipate a future need and fill it, you stave off any potential drama. It's like scheduling your credit card payment in advance or taking the chicken out of the freezer the night before or entering your expenses as they happen instead of waiting until the last minute. At the time, it may seem like an inconvenience, but it saves you from a headache later. Lesson number six, stuff is overrated. In 2017, we lived out of a car, actually a crossover SUV, for 31 days, and in 2018 for 35 days, and there were still things we brought that we didn't use and clothes we packed that we didn't wear. And we didn't miss the stuff we didn't bring one single bit. Not one iota. Nada. There wasn't one time that I thought, I wish I brought. What I did think when we got home was, we have too much stuff. I've never been materialistic, but I still had about 30 t-shirts that I've never worn, a wardrobe I'll never wear again, a collection of glassware collecting dust, and a file cabinet full of I have no idea what. I've since gotten rid of most of it. I didn't miss any of that when we were gone. I was too busy living to worry about all of that stuff. Lesson number seven, you can't do it all. I am the queen of impossible expectations. I always think I can get much more done than is humanly possible. This translates to travel. Jim likes to tell me my travel eyes are bigger than my travel stomach. My eyes order a buffet when my stomach can handle an amused bouche. It's almost embarrassing how much I think I can get done versus how much I can actually do. It's time to be more realistic. Just because I think I can stretch time doesn't mean I actually can stretch time. In fact, by packing more into my day, it seems like I have less time because I'm trying to do too much and don't really appreciate any of it. Choices have to be made. For every scenic overlook we visited, we bypassed five. For every historic marker we read, we skipped many more. That's okay though, it just gives us reasons to go back. Finally, lesson number eight, never take your blessings for granted. At the 2017 San Diego Travel and Adventure Show, a man came to our booth and began to talk to me. He learned that we were in the middle of a month long road trip and he told me how much he wants to travel. He wanted to see the solar eclipse and he was at the show to find someone who might be able to help him do that. He'd retired, but his wife was still working. His desire was a plea. His yearning was palpable. He wasn't the only one we met who was envious of our journey. There were many who wished they could do the same. I was already grateful, and each time I met someone with wanderlust in their souls, my appreciation for this gift grew. Every morning before we left, every dawn of the trip itself, and every waking moment since we've returned, I am thankful for what we were able to experience. Following your dreams isn't easy, nor should it be. Following mine has taught me so much more than these eight lessons. 
Many of them aren't clear yet, but they will be. And when they are, I'll share them. This episode is sponsored by you, or it can be. If you like what you're hearing, become an official local tourist. Our members get first dibs on episodes, can download a free gorgeous image each month, and also have a chance to win a printed and matted 8x10 photo. And guess what? It's only $5 a month. If that sounds good, head over to thelocaltourist.com slash coffee and become an official local tourist today. Are you ready to take an epic road trip? Sit back, relax, and enjoy this excerpt from Tulane Gems Volume 1, Turkeys Are Jerks and Other Observations from an American Road Trip. Tulane Gems Volume 1, Prologue. There once was a little girl who had a little curl. That girl was me, and for as long as I can remember, I had a dream that I would travel the country and tell its stories. The dream began before the internet existed, so I took notes with my pen and paper and recorded what was happening on 35mm film in my dream. In the early 2000s, I earned a degree in journalism and became a self-publisher on the internet, but the dream remained. I wanted to explore the hidden places and the treasured beauties and share it all. In February and March of 2017, my husband, Jim, and I made that young girl's dream a reality. We drove from our Chicago suburb to the Pacific Ocean and back, taking pretty much the most roundabout route you can imagine. When it came to travel, I met my match. Someone who says, well, we've come this far, is worth their weight in historical markers. This story is about our 31-day exploration of a small part of America. We explored 13 states in a series of seemingly random hops. Our criteria specified places that had historical significance, were flat-out geographically freakish, had some sort of artistry, or just sounded cool. It was a random hopscotch across the Southwest, and it was the best experience of our lives so far. Chapter 1. And they're off! It was a crisp February morning when we left our home in Elgin, Illinois. The sun was shining, the traffic around Chicago was uncharacteristically light, and we were a mere 37 minutes behind schedule. Considering we were packed up for a month, I was pleased that was the extent of our delay. For the next several hours, we drove six and eight lane highways. It was hard not to speed. The whole point of this trip was to explore the back roads, and here we were ignoring the small towns and their water towers, murals, and giant muffler men. We were ignoring the journey to get to the destination. It felt wrong, like we were betraying our creed with our first steps out the door. But we had to be in Pulaski County, Missouri by 4 p.m., and I wanted to stop at Cahokia Mounts. It's difficult to express the combination of excitement and trepidation we both felt. We'd been on long road trips before, taking 16 days to drive Route 66, a scant year and a few months into our relationship. We not only survived that trip, it made us stronger. I don't think we were worried so much about us as we were about the magnitude of what lay ahead. Our route to San Diego was mapped out. Our way back was not. This was the biggest and most intimidating thing I had ever tried to do. I had a lifetime of anticipation and hope, and my husband had put his plans on hold to support my dream. Heady stuff. We were also slightly concerned because of the state of the country. It was less than a month after the inauguration and tensions were high but that's also precisely why we were taking this trip when we were. 
It's easy to judge on a macro level. When you meet people as individuals, you find there are more similarities than differences. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The drive on I-55 towards St. Louis allowed us to get better acquainted with our companion for the next 31 days, a crossover SUV on loan from Kia. We dubbed this blaze blue beauty May Sorrento after the indomitable May West. The name proved apt as she was strong and capable and didn't take no guff from wayward potholes and guardrail less switchbacks. She was also quite comfortable and our first few hundred miles flew by as we headed to the most important archeological site in North America. Cahokia Mound State Historic Site in Collinsville, Illinois, uniquely illustrates America's past, both pre-Columbian and post-discovery. The site, one of 23 UNESCO World Heritage Sites in the U.S., preserves the history of a city that existed long before Columbus stumbled upon that Bahamian beach. We almost missed it. Even though I'd been to the site on a field trip in elementary school, probably about the time it received the UNESCO designation. It looked like a bunch of randomly placed hills that were split down the middle by a four-lane road. If you don't stop, you'd never know those mounds used to be the epicenter of civilization on this continent. The interpretive center and the wayside markers on the grounds tell the tale of the indigenous people who built the city and those who came after. It's continuing proof that civilization on this continent did not begin with the arrival of Europeans. Cahokia, named by French explorers in the 1600s after the tribe that was living there when they arrived, had been a planned city that covered six square miles dotted with 120 earthworks. Seventy of them remain on the site's 2,200 acres. The community began around 700 AD, about the time the Chinese invented gunpowder, as a cluster of small settlements. Over the next couple of centuries, those merged to become a larger community. By 1050 to 1150, the population had exploded to anywhere from 20,000 in most estimates to as high as 50,000 in others. To put this in perspective, London's population was around 20,000 and the Tower of London was constructed during this period. About a third of the inhabitants of Cahokia were immigrants, making this city North America's original melting pot. By 1350, they were gone. Nobody knows where they went or why they left. We hiked to the top of Monk's Mound, joining families, a couple with their dog, and firefighters who were training by running up and down the stairs with packs on their backs. Calling it a mound is a bit of a misnomer. The base of this beast covers over 14 acres and the pyramid rises to a height of 100 feet. It contains 22 million cubic feet of earth, larger in volume than the Great Pyramid of Egypt, every foot carried by hand in baskets. From our vantage point, we could see the Gateway Arch in the distance. Below us, US 40, or Collinsville Road, bisected the site. It was an odd juxtaposition, but it exists because the road had been authorized in 1806 by Thomas Jefferson as the National Road. For years, a steady stream of wagons, trains, and streetcars cut through the complex. There was even talk of putting a highway through the ancient site, but the discovery of a series of wood hinges provided an increased understanding of the historical significance of this Mississippian culture. In 1964, Cahokia Mounds was declared a National Historic Landmark. In 1966, it was added to the National Register of Historic Places, and in 1982, it became one of UNESCO's World Heritage Sites. Today, this treasure trove of history opens the door to the past. For us, it opened the door to our journey into a complex country with surprises and limitless stories and was our perfect introduction to Tulane Gems.
Thank you for listening to the Local Tourist Variety Show. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If so, please hit that subscribe button and tell all your friends. Thanks for being a local tourist. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.